0: Welcome to Arise Lunchtime Talks. For those who don't know us, Arise is an NGO who focuses on family strengthening no matter how families are formed. Arise is made up of a multidisciplinary team who believe that through building resilience and being strength focused, we can improve the lives of children and families. To find out more, visit arisefamily.org. I'm Danielle Musaji, Everyone calls me Danny, and I am your host. So join me in this episode to find out how we together can help all families thrive. Welcome back to Arise Lunchtime Talk. Um, my name is Danny, and sitting opposite me is. Alexa. Alexa Russell-Matthews, who is also our senior social worker at Arise. But Alexa, you also wear two hats um, as the chairperson of The Warehouse. Can you tell us a little bit more about The Warehouse?
1: I'd love to tell you a little bit more about The Warehouse. I have the incredible privilege of chairing the board of The Warehouse, which is an NGO based in Cape Town. And the purpose of The Warehouse is to journey alongside communities of faith in dealing with issues as they relate to social justice and poverty. So we helped set up the RESPOND network, which responded to the fires in Langa recently. Masipumilele, which sadly we know has just happened again. And then also part of the network expanded into KZN, so it's a national network. And then they also talk about spatial justice, how we're using land effectively, and what are the conversations that we need in churches that are not as well resourced in order to make them sustainable so that's some of the work they do there's a lot more so you can go and check out their website as well or their facebook page we oh. are the warehouse and go over see what they do they awesome. can tell more far more beautiful stories than i can right now <laughs> in this position of your hats
0: awesome yeah so i mean i've been having conversations with you and the previous director craig stewart around the work that arises and also you know we are passionate because we work with a lot of families and marginalized communities around justice and what mm. god is calling us to do and how do we respond to people who have been discriminated against and oppressed. And one of the things that we found good synergy in last year was a resource that the warehouse held which is children, church and the law and it made complete sense when Craig and myself was talking around how do we grow that platform because I think the church not I think, I know the church (laughs) plays such a a big role in children's lives, families' lives and how do we help protect our children who are the most vulnerable in our society Um, and from that conversation um, we had some great um, news over the last few weeks that yep. we have now, um, yeah, been handed over the resource. So now Arise owns Children, Church, and the Law.
1: And I do want to give Erica greated. Yes. who used to work at the warehouse, credit for developing this resource. So she literally has taken, so Erica, if you're hearing this, Erica literally took the Children's Act and unpacked it as it is relevant to churches with thought points. So Children's Church in the Law is an incredible resource for faith based communities. And Danny, you and I were talking, we had the privilege as a rise. And this is where things get very blurry for me. So ethically, I just want to be very clear that I wasn't part no. of the conversations <laughs> around what needed to happen with that resource. I did recuse myself. I wasn't the board chair when the conversation started. About how do we look after our children in our communities? And so part of that was as a rise, we were actually invited to Stellenbosch University yeah. to their practical theology, no, not the practical, the children and youth ministry. Yeah. I can't remember the exact module at <laughs> hand, but to talk through children, church, and the law with their second and third year students. And I think that's what I love about that is that you've got people advocating in the same and pulling in a direction that puts children at the center. And so yeah. that's that's what this resource really is about is how do we equip. How do we empower and how do we help people establish appropriate responses to the rights but also the needs of children in our communities which sometimes we forget they go hand in hand
0: yeah, I mean, look, I've always believed, and I still do, that the church plays a massive part in how do we bridge the gaps of inequality in our country. I Most think, definitely. you know, the church holds great power in this country, um, particularly, and, I, and when I talk about church, I'm obviously you're talking about institutions, mm. thinking about influence, we know that our president and, you know, parties are influenced by pastors and ministers. Yep. And so we need to use those voices and that power for good right so how do we ensure that our children are at the center of some of the policies that are being developed particularly when we look at how the children's act have now have this amendment bill that's coming yeah. into play you know where are Are churches aware of this? Do we know how that's changing Um, and why it's important? Um, So I suppose that's kind of the question I'm posing to you, Alexa, though you can pose a question to me as well. Um, For for some of uh, people who are listeners who might not know um, a bit of my background story as a social worker, as a trained social worker, is, you know, I started my first, like, after I graduated social worker, I was a statutory social worker, which means I was very much implementing um, removal of children, protecting children, um, investigating. So the practical implications of the act. Exactly. And I remember at that time I was also a young adult leader um, and being very frustrated with the church that I was um, serving at the time because I just felt like here I'm coming from a space and I was a statutory worker in Lavender Hill. So, for those of you who don't know Lavender Hill, it is on the K Flats. It is quite an impoverished area and a lot of influence of gang and violence and just. Substance
1: abuse. And I think it's, yeah. I mean, it goes across our highly marginalized communities, unfortunately, yeah. when you've got high levels of inequality. And this is where I think The Warehouse and Arise align so beautifully in that this is, we want to make sure that we're understanding from our marginalized perspectives or where, where are we in those spaces. And what does that look like? And I think, Daddy, what I love about the fact that the Rise and the Warehouse are partnering, or and we are effectively partnering, because yeah. we're championing in each other's work, yeah. For sure. Is that that you do have that statutory background yeah. because it's the practical implications of this act when the church is not abiding by it, and so often, and you would have seen this in Laminde Hill, we hear it often as a rise, you see it often on social media in conversations, people forget that the Children's Act, when it comes to the rights and the protection of children, and the not just the protection, but also family strengthening, that's part of the purpose of the Act, is the highest order in the land. Mm. It overrules me as a social worker, it overrules you as a social worker. It over, that is the highest form of governance about protecting our children in the land. Yeah. And I think too often, and it's from a well-intended place, we end up hurting our children in churches because we don't understand that. Yeah. Because we're too busy looking for the healing and for the more, you know, the soft, softer approach. But actually, we need to look at how do we heal and still are answerable to the law of the land.
0: Yeah. So I think part of, again, you know, part of that frustration while I was doing statue work in an impoverished area and driving to more of the southern suburbs, leafy area. Which is literally a kilometer (laughs) apart.
1: Like it's across the railway line and into the suburbs,
0: and and it's and it's going. People are so unaware of what is happening, even within the leafy suburbs. Exactly, I was going to say the suburbs aren't exempt. No, but what I'm saying is in terms of the inequality and children falling in the gaps of society and going we need to do more yeah. so it was difficult to do that to be able to sit and I'll never forget you know you always have those clients that are kind of imprinted in your brain yep, I've got them. and I'll never forget you know sitting with a 14 year old who has been in foster care most of her life since she was about six um because her parents did not was did not so great things and she ended up but she also moved Mm. in a couple of foster placements which we
1: know is horrific in terms of her own development yeah
0: and I remember her looking at me and going why does no one love me
1: well my case that you're aware of was when we had an 11 year old who the church has been aware of who has picked up who was fostered through someone through the church and had had how many social workers fall, dropped the ball and said why has no one cared until now yeah and, and that's not a once-off question. Like, we hear the echoes of children with their faces and those questions. Yeah. And so, again, the church is in this incredible position to be championing the rights of children in this way. For sure. And but I But mean, we need to know what that means.
0: Yeah, because it's also a rise was birthed out of the need of looking after vulnerable children. Yeah. Though I would say the way that we address that need is very different because I think... Uh, our first response, and I think it is a you know lessons as you grow as an organisation, which we should be learning as we grow for sure, is that you know we see children in need and we go foster care adoption is the way, mm. but actually we know now that it isn't, and that actually it is it is far more better that we put all of our effort to strengthen families before, and obviously we don't live in an ideal no. world, and so. There is a need for foster care for sure. And Which adoption, the action covers, actually. But we need to do it well. And how do we do it well? Because, as we always say, love is not enough.
1: No, it's practical. And we
0: cannot do it thinking this is a religious obligation.
1: No, well, I think adoption, foster care, alternative care, whatever it is, they're not social justice projects. And I think that, And so part of my role at Arise has been to coordinate our adoption support and education is that if you are choosing to adopt because you believe that it's a way of restitution, then please don't adopt. Mm. And I know people get cross when we say that, but we are not taking on projects, we are choosing to parent. And with that comes the fullness of what that means. And the fullness of that is also looking at the reality, and this is a hard thing to say and to hear, especially if you people that are waiting, or for whatever reason have not biologically been able to have children, for whatever reason. Mm and want to parent is that we still know that children staying with their biological parents where their parents choose to parent and are able to parent is always first prize for the yeah. child. The ch- children, have voice got all twisted <laughs> there, sorry everyone. But I think, and, and that's what I love about it. If you look at how the law was developed, the law was developed with family strengthening in mind. Mm. The problem is, is that we look at adoption as the alternative to being poor, yeah, to living in a hard space, rather than saying why is the space hard and what we should be doing in that space? And so we need to start learning how to have nuanced conversations around the both and. Yeah. And so for me, the both and is, yes, we're going to have children that cannot stay with their biological families for whatever reason. But we need to also look at where children should and can stay with their biological families if it was able and possible to do so. And yeah. so the church, I believe, has a responsibility towards that. One of the things that comes up frequently if you listen to adult adoptees talk which again our act speaks to is the rights of children to identity, to roots, to their names, to their heritage, which adoption effectively breaks, whether we like it or not, it does that. yeah And so people go, yes, but you grafted in and we use a lot of Christianese to talk about this. and and I'm a Christian, as is Danny, I just want to be quite clear on this. But the reality is, we can't talk about our, we can't talk about your family if you're not in your family. And yeah. so now we are talking about our family where we get things right, but also sometimes where we get things wrong. For sure. And so when you grafted in as a Christian, you made a choice in that story. Yeah. Adoptees never got to make that choice. Yeah. And often we co-opt theology of the spiritual adoption and we equivocate it with biological yeah. uh, with um, physical adoption yeah. within family spaces. And so yes, God models for us what it means to love us, despite the fact that we are imperfect. Yeah. No doubt, I don't think anyone's ever going to question that. That is very different from choosing to parent a child whose story did not start with you, That's where true. the child had no choice. Yeah. And when we look at the adult adoptees who inform a lot of the Arise's work, that we sit and we listen to, that we hold intention, that we look at the laws, we look at the just, we look at the communities, we look at what is driving the need for children to be in alternative care. Yeah. We need to stop stopping as if adoption is the only option. Adoption should be an option, but not the first option. Never the first. Adoption is a permanency option. It's
0: permanent yeah. alternative care. But I also think, you know, we did a, a theological reflection years ago mm-hmm. <laughs> before. Pre-COVID. COVID. Pre-COVID, it was our, one of our conferences. It was actually only three, two years ago. Did you know that? Three years ago. It three, 20, three, years ago. 2019. 2019. It wasn't yeah. so many years. <laughs> um, and we looked at this very thing to go the danger of having a savior complex as Christians. And I think that that is dangerous. And I think, well, not I think I know the m- many adoptees and children, adoptees that we have come across mm-hmm. and who are struggling with their identity, um, who are struggling with grief and loss and attachment, which we know is part of the package of when you, when you choose to adopt. M- one of the biggest hurdles and the biggest problems we have come across is when people struggle with their Christian values and their Christian principles I mean this probably is a, a podcast on it I was own. going to say we started a church <laughs> law and now we've gone yes. into adoption rather so, but what I'm saying is again this is part of a long history of our church in this country around a, how do we save children, one we created orphanages Yes. two we then were like adoption is the way particularly when the HIV pandemic uh, mm-hmm. arrived and so, again, a lot of the time, and I've heard this said across the room, and I cannot lie that this was said, is that we should adopt so that we have more children become Christian. And we've, and I have My seen... stomach sinks every time I hear that. And and then I've heard it from, from children um, who are, grow up in these homes, and they struggle with that.
1: Well, because, also from people choosing to adopt. Yeah. So that's not a good motivation to adopt, because... No there is no more you cannot guarantee that your biological child no. is going to choose the same faith as you no. the same journey as you any more that you can choose a child because then you put this burden on these children that they're supposed to be grateful to you and believe in your worldview and your framework so and even within that you're not guaranteed how your biological child is going to turn out you might have a bit of a clue that they're going to have red hair or green eyes yeah. or curly hair or straight hair or whatever it is because genetics but how many of these children our children biological or adopted, take a journey that we could never have foreseen. Yeah. And maybe not a journey we would choose for them as parents, let's be honest, for some of the dynamics. But also as parents we need to be open to the fact that they are individual human beings mm. who are gonna make their own choices. Exactly. Okay. And that when we wrestle with their choices, it's our wrestle. Yeah. Which is a different conversation in a and, it, and it is
0: a, it's a tricky space to be in as a parent mm-hmm. and both
1: of both of us are parents.
0: So I mean part of us having now the resource of Children Church and the Law is part of having these hard conversations. Uh, that is really the goal of Arise, is to start having challenging conversations for the church. So when we talk about discipline and you making a sermon yes. on discipline, um, you know, and we know what the law says about discipline. And I know because I've had many pastors phone me to make mm. sure that what they're saying is right which which aligns which, which is, is part great. of the service of a rise but i've Advocacy. also had uh, i had pastors who refuse to listen when i say actually spanking your children let's be honest hitting your children is illegal and two if we actually thinking about hitting i always try and think this why are we hitting it's because we have actually lost
1: control as and adults. we triggered and we can't cope and they and are so not our control factor i have in.
0: never ever met a parent have hit their child because they are trying to and remember at arise we say discipline is all about teachable moments we're discipling like people into
1: new places. how do you do that through teaching
0: exactly and so if i even think about myself as a parent and i have spanked my children i'm going to be honest with everyone here it has never been and I and I really
1: try not to. And it never sits well afterwards because you know it wasn't the right way of doing things. Exactly. Because it was about you not being in a good regulated space. And the same is true for me. Like whatever like and then we end up having to apologize. Because yes. actually what are we teaching our children? Yeah. Completely. And scripture, I think there's I think there's a lot of people that go, Oh, but it's you know, it's progressive, it's the liberals, it's conservative, whatever. But actually, and Danny, I think I said this to you the other day, I was reflecting on how often Jesus referenced children and how we ought to look after children and honor children yeah. and esteem children and not lead them down the garden path. And, you know, there was a beautiful, the, the, an Afrikaans, the way it was interpreted wasn't, it's better to put a molestone down your neck and cast yourself into a well, it was into the sea. So one yeah. of our students at Stellenbosch said that and I was like, that is so powerful, especially yeah. where we live. We've got all these rips off yes. our coastline and I was like, what are we doing as the church to make sure that we are not the stumbling block, that we are screening our volunteers, that we are understanding children's developmental needs, that when their families come and sit there and it's a mom only or a dad only or a granny only, that we are not Repeatedly painting a picture that doesn't speak to this child's reality. Yeah.
0: Well, also the reality harmful. of the country that we yes. live in, right? So, I mean, the great thing is as we take the the resource children church on the law, we want to anchor it in the context of where we are right now. And in so, South Africa, yeah. So we look at we want to make sure that people, everyone, even you as listeners, get a picture of what most of our children are going through. If we think about it, you know, we've written a blog about it, mm. Seven hundred and fifty thousand children
1: last year dropped out of school poverty line let's talk about the poverty line 60 what was it 62 over 60 percent of children but live below the poverty line and that's the conservative one where you're getting some of your basic needs met not and all of so, them, but some of them are pregnant. And so what
0: does that mean? What is the first start of life? How are mothers treated when their children are born? How are we supporting mothers? How are we supporting children in their first fathers, thousand days? And fathers, let's not leave the dads
1: out. No. We often only talk about moms, but young fathers yes. need to be taught and mentored and guided into actually what does it look like to be a dad, especially if you, we so often talk about the fatherless generation and the missing fathers, but actually we're asking people to show up and do in ways that they've never experienced themselves or have never been taught themselves. Yeah. And that includes your and my generation, mm. where we might have been parented a particular way. where hidings and spankings were part of the deal. Yes. The wooden spoon. Yes. And now we—that that is not part of where we are. Mm-hmm. And so how do we equip? And this is where the church has this incredible opportunity through children's ministries, through youth ministries, to through family spaces. And I'm saying family spaces because too often it becomes either the mom's responsibility or the dad's responsibility. But actually it's a family responsibility to nurture the kind of culture that you're raising your child in, mm. regardless of who your family is or what they look
0: like. Yeah, and I think part of it is the church needs to come to the realization families are no longer mom, dad and kids.
1: The kids. You know, the picture all our <laughs> Yes, sports. and,
0: you know, and the car and the dog and all that kind of stuff. But no, that isn't our reality in South Africa. And so... We need to address it. We cannot shy away from it. We need to know the stats. We need to know how many kids a year we know of get reported in terms of sexual abuse, physical abuse, neglect. And it happens in the church. And it happens in your leafy suburbs, in your marginalized communities, because we know the stats of gender-based violence and children are also... victims of that even if they're witnessing Mm. physical violence in the home and we know research shows that they have the same symptoms of children who have been abused themselves so we cannot we cannot ignore these factors and so as we wrap up a little bit about our conversation as you can tell we are both passionate as Arise and as the warehouse around ensuring that we are advocating and giving voice to children um, so that children can stop falling in the gaps of society, that we can protect our children when they're in Sunday school, when they're on those youth camps um, and that's part of recruiting and screening and ensuring that child protection policy and governance is in place in our institutions, as well as that we are completely trying to strengthen families Um, I think that is where we need to be as a church it is messy work and Very i can tell you as an organization i you know if i ask people to give us money for adoption work we get it immediately if i ask people to help us in our programs where we are working with parents on their relationship with their children hardly anyone gives us money and that that speaks volumes to where people's priority is but also their understanding and so for us, that is the education and advocacy work we want to do. And we believe the church is a great tool in order to do that. Um, what is God asking us to do? How do we protect and love our children so that they can also see that there is a God who loves them and see them for who they are? And so we are that vessel of doing that. So. If you're listening to this podcast and you go, wow, this interests me, I want to know more, please, please email us at training at arisefamily.org. We have some exciting training in children, in the church and the law coming up by the end of the year and at the beginning of next year around how we want to train up children's workers, youth workers, pastors mm-hmm. in understanding why child protection is important.
1: Thank you so much, Danny, for the opportunity to share the space with you in my dual role. So <laughs> I'm sitting in my social work seat and I'm, I feel like I'm having to swap gears the whole time. But also, I just think the last thing I do want to add is that children do not live in silos. They live with adults. And so as adults, we have the responsibility to care for adults is part of the family strengthening stuff yeah but also as adults we have a responsibility to our children as well as for our children and so what does that look like in the context of the church and so erica this is my final shout out to you but also to the team at the warehouse who so generously and graciously have shared this resource with their eyes yeah i really i really am grateful i love when we see partnerships working
0: yeah it is great and i know that even though we might now hold the resource and we know that arise and the warehouse will be working together in ensuring that this is happening nationwide exactly right thank you and until next time Bye bye everybody bye